Hi, I'm Bob Sewell. I'm a lawyer. In fact, I'm a partner at the law firm of Davis Miles McGuire Gardner. I started this podcast because my clients always ask me, is that even legal? I want to discuss on this podcast how the law affects us and changes our daily lives. I hope you enjoy the show. I hope it is meaningful to you, and I hope you learn from it. Thank you. Hi, welcome to the podcast, Is That Even Legal? I'm your host, Bob Sewell, and today we have a guest, Allison Preston, and we're here to talk about what's legal in homeowner association law. Allison practices for homeowners associations. She represents homeowners associations. Allison, we all hate homeowners associations. Are you sure? I, we, we pretend, or at least we, we claim to hate them. We all have mm. a story. And, you know, for example, the stories such as the president that is constantly lurking around every corner to try to cite the, the naughty homeowners, the neighbor that is constantly complaining about the barking dog or how my house looks or whether I have a weed or left my garbage can out and the citations and the fees and I know we all have our story about a nature way it, and they become you know apocryphal by now it, have you heard these stories as a nature way attorney never never everyone loves their associations everyone gets along <laughs> it's okay. so happy job security yeah exactly I'll say you represent <laughs> the enemy I'm not I'm, I'm not trying to downgrade the enemy <laughs> No, I'm just kidding. Everyone has to have a fantastic lawyer. So one of the things that has come up recently in HOA law is I heard a recent story, a local story for uh, here in Arizona where we broadcast this show. And that story involves a homeowners association. And what happened was this homeowner had a um, – Facebook page for the Homeowners Association. And on the Facebook page, she'd list typical things. You know, she'd, it was a place to come and gossip, to put, you know, uh, sell your, your used couch or, you know, just get to know your neighbors on the Facebook page. And, well, during the last election season, this homeowner Facebook page got a little nasty. A little. You've heard about this Yes, one. I have. And they started saying deflammatory things or potentially deflammatory things, if they were untrue, about various board members. And it wasn't nice. It, it, was, it turned into a very political mm -hmm. place. So at some point, the HOA... Gets a, the HOA board sends out a letter from an attorney and says, take down the posts. And my question is, is that even legal? Well, I'm going to give you the attorney answer, and that is, it depends. Okay. So let's, let's break this down. 
with homeowners associations or HOAs, they have their governing documents that the association and all owners or also members of the association have to abide by. So these are going to be your Declaration of Covenants, Conditions, and Restrictions, the Articles of Incorporation that establish the association as an entity, as well as the bylaws, which set up some corporate governance. But also the board of directors can adopt reasonable rules, regulations, and policy to govern what goes on in the association. The power to adopt rules, it extends to any common areas or common elements that are under the association's control. So in the example uh, that we're talking about here today, that particular community has common areas. They have a community clubhouse, they have a community pools, various community amenities that all the members can go and take advantage of. and every and to make it more universal, almost every homeowners association association has common elements, right? Correct, and that's that's one of the main purposes for having associations in the first place. Is who's going to take care of these these common facilities? Uh, the cities generally aren't going to do it, so the developers create these associations to plan for the lifetime of these these common amenities, these common facilities. You pay in, you provide for their maintenance, their repair replacement, and in turn you get to enjoy them as a homeowner. So a lot of associations also have their very own websites where they host them, they post their governing documents, the rules, right. news announcements. The common areas and the websites and the associations control, the associations, the boards in particular, can absolutely adopt rules and regulations governing those spaces. This is what you can and cannot do in the clubhouse. This is what you can and cannot post on our website. The case here, the the website, it was a social media page, was not under the control of the association. Okay. This was set up by individual owners who like you said, just had it for neighbors to communicate with one another about what's going on in the community. So to the extent that the association did not control this platform or have control over the platform, it likely didn't have the authority to regulate what went on on that platform. Okay. So just to make it user-friendly at this conversation, if I own, if Bob Sewell owns the Bob Sewell neighbor page. That's my that's my space. That's my place to chit chat mm-hmm. and to say whatever I want. And but if the homeowners association has their their page, then they get to do with what what they want with their page. Is that what you're trying to say? Yes, pretty much. That sums it up. So I can understand though from the board a board point of view if if Bob Sewell is out there on the Facebook page saying nasty stuff that's not true in this case I'm I just go hypothetically I want to criticize my HOA and I want to say whatever I want and some of the things aren't true it it's very dissatisfactory for a board member who's just trying to do his thankless job right right what do you do I mean, Yeah, so let's talk about that. So as you pointed out, being a member of the board of directors is a thankless job. So thank you to all of you board of directors out there. You don't hear that often enough. Um, So what do you do? You are the figureheads of your community. So you're going to, 
I hate to say it, be subject to the attacks if members don't like what's going on. So with your Bob Sewell Facebook page, or in the case that we had going on here recently, a few of the members said, I don't like what this director is doing. This director is doing bad things. Although the association's rules likely don't extend such that they can control what's going on on that Facebook page. If there are personal attacks, the individual directors who are being attacked may have recourse against the individuals making those statements. So you mentioned earlier defamation. So if someone is out there publishing untruths about you and you are somehow damaged by that publication, so uh, Bob Sewell hates bow ties. We know that's an untruth (laughs) if you've ever met Bob Sewell. I post that on Facebook and say somehow you're fined $10,000 because you hate bow ties or I put out there that you hate bow ties. Mistruth, you're damaged in the amount of $10,000. You may have a cause of action against me for defamation. So to the extent that individuals, members are posting untruths the against directors, those directors, if they're damaged by those untruths, may have a cause of action that they can either recoup damages or money from however they're damaged or get them to take down whatever those untruthful postings are. Okay. So, <clears throat> so let's say that we have, you know, Bob Sewell saying all these untruths. What if the HOA wants to sponsor that litigation? Would, if, if there was for I, I, Bob Sewell defames HOA board member and the HOA says, we don't like that, we're going to sue on behalf of the board member, Bob Sewell. Right. So there is a mechanism that uh, associations, HOAs, can use to protect their business operations. Uh, and one of those, well, there's a couple of them, but the, the main one that we see is an injunction against workplace harassment. So if there is something going on on a third-party Facebook page that is impeding the association's operations, so say uh, this group of homeowners on their Facebook page have stirred up the masses, have said things where the masses have come out with pitchforks, pitchforks. they've come to board meetings, they're banging on the director's doors, the the directors just can't operate, they can't meet, they can't do association business. In effect, this group of individuals spurned from this Facebook page are impeding association's operations. So the association then could go to court and say, hey, they're impeding our operations. We need an injunction against workplace harassment. They're harassing our workplace because the association is a business. The directors are running that ship. They're, you know, the managers in effect of that business. The association can ask the court for protection to protect them from these aggressive owners so that they can go about and do their business without being harassed. Okay, so this is for the owner, though, the homeowner in the association that's unreasonable, right? Well, this would be, yes. So this would be against whoever's doing the harassing behavior. So if there's one owner or a group of owners or a particular Facebook page, the injunction could include uh, an order to take down that Facebook page or to get rid of those posts. It kind of depends on the facts of each specific situation. Why do we have homeowners associations? They're really prevalent in the West. They're not as prevalent back East. 
they are there. We do have homeowners mm-hmm. associations back east. Why do we have them here? So it's it's a practicality of having the master plan type communities that we have here, uh, especially in Arizona. I'm originally from the Midwest. We didn't have walls. Coming to Arizona, all of the communities, almost all of the communities are bordered by walls, right? right? They have landscape areas in the front. They might have entryway monuments. They may have um, green belts or playgrounds or grassy areas within the communities themselves. Well, the cities don't want to maintain all that. They don't want to pay for all of that. So they have the developers create these associations that will take care of all of that infrastructure. They'll take care of the walls. They'll take care of the landscaping. Uh, they'll take care of the playground equipment to you know, alleviate that burden from the city. So you buy into this community with the understanding that you're also buying into all of these amenities. You get to use them, but then you have to also pay for them. Hmm. As a As a reasonable homeowner, when I hear about stories about unreasonable homeowners that are harassing a board, okay, I want to know, first of all, that can get, I should say, that could get expensive for the board. That could get, because what's happening is the, and it get expensive for the HOA, therefore, what's happening is, is this unreasonable homeowner might be sending lots of harassing emails, making harassing phone calls, and interrupting the board business. The reasonable homeowner, though, in in essence gets punished because they have to hire attorneys, right? Mm -hmm. So how does the board or can the board recoup those attorneys' fees and the cost of the, the unreasonable conduct from the unreasonable homeowner. Okay, so to flush out your question, we have a homeowner who's just continuously sending emails, maybe harassing the board, maybe putting roadblocks into the association's business, correct? Correct. Such that the association hires an attorney to say, uh, send a cease and desist letter to say, hey, homeowner, stop this activity. You're kind of roadblocking our operations. We need to focus on what we're doing. We can't respond. We can't keep answering the same question about events that took place two years ago. So the question being, the association hires this attorney, incurs attorney's fees. Can we make that homeowner pay for those attorney's fees? Right. It depends. It's going to be document specific, going back to your governing documents, and what authority the association has to pass through attorney's fees to homeowners for different reasons. The two most common instances where associations can do this is with assessments and violations. So if a homeowner doesn't pay their assessments, their monthly payments to maintain the association's common areas, and the association has to employ an attorney to collect that money, most documents provide that the owner who failed to pay is also responsible to reimburse those attorney's fees. So in this example with the harassing homeowner, the association, if it has this type of authority, attorney fee pass along authority in their documents, would have to find that owner to be in violation of some provision of the governing documents. And they're taking, they, the association, is then taking an action to enforce. And the documents provide that any action to enforce, if attorney's fees are incurred, can then be passed on to that harassing okay, so, homeowner. So it goes back to the document, right? Yep. What does the homeowners association document say they could pass on to the to Correct. the homeowner? And sometimes they can, and sometimes they can't. Okay. So here's one of the things that I hear a lot, and so I, I'm going to ask you this: Let's say I'm an aggrieved homeowner. I have a legitimate complaint, 
I'm getting assessed fines, and we know this happens on occasion. I'm getting assessed fines that aren't just. I'm being you know, harassed by an unreasonable board member. In the homeowner's opinion. In the homeowner's opinion, but it does happen, right? I mean, it, sometimes we have rogue homeowners. I, I've, I've seen, I've represented rogue homeowners associations. We'll agree to disagree. You know, but but <clears throat> let's say that this happens. Um, I should just stop paying my homeowners association fees, right? That's a terrible idea. Why? Uh, guaranteed that all CCNRs have, well, if you have the association, you have a mandatory obligation to pay assessments. If you stop paying, the association will send you to collections to collect that money. But Allison, you've left me without a remedy, right? How can I get back that this homeowners association is really punishing me? And I need to get justice somehow. And if I can't just not pay my fees, what can I do? Run for the board. Homeowners elect their board of directors on generally an annual basis. Sometimes they're staggered terms, so they'll elect a couple one year and elect a couple the next year. You elect them. You don't have to elect them. If there are directors that you don't like, that you think are being unjust and, okay. and cruel, Vote yourself in. Vote someone else in. Get your neighbors to support you to be on the board and change association operations. My homeowners association better watch out because I'm running next term. No, I'm hey, kidding. you'll be a great director. <laughs> okay, so now, but what about if I lose? What about if or if I don't want to run for the board and I find out or I think that the money's being misused? That's very common. We do the math in our head and we say, my association fee is $100 a month multiplied by 500 residents. It couldn't possibly need more money next year. That's what we think in our heads, whether it's true or not. Can I sue then, perhaps, the board and ask for an accounting? Sure. Uh, just as the association through its board of directors is obligated to enforce the restrictions, uh, the rules and regulations, homeowners have rights to make sure that's done properly. So we we oftentimes tell our clients, enforce or amend. If you're not going to do something, amend your documents to get it out of there because otherwise you have the obligation to do that. So if there are real concerns that there's perhaps issues with funding, um, owners have recourse. They can, you know, request copies of the financial documents, go get an independent audit. If there's anything hinky going on there, perhaps look into whether or not they can file a lawsuit for that. There's been, uh, I want to briefly touch on some other things. Limiting speech is not new in, to homeowners associations. I, there's been other cases where speech has been limited, uh, tried to be limited by a homeowners association. We don't think about them as speech and necessarily flags. Mm -hmm. People like to fly flags. Sometimes that's limited by homeowners associations, right? Absolutely. It's limited by Arizona state statutes. Okay, tell me about that. So um, under uh, Arizona law, the association, there are certain flags that the association has to permit 
owners to fly on their properties. That's going to be the U.S. flag, the Arizona state flag, military flags, Arizona Indian nation flags, and the Gadsden flag. However, the association can regulate to some degree how those flags are displayed. Okay. So we can, uh, we they being the associations, can regulate the size and location of flagpoles, for example. They can limit the number of flags that are flown on any given property. So they can establish certain rules and regulations. It's also important to distinguish between single-family homes, which you have the home and you own the lot, so you have a front yard, backyard, side yard, and condominiums where you own a unit. In the condominium context, you are likely prohibited from installing a flagpole because where you would be installing that, unless you have a dedicated patio, is on the common elements. The association can absolutely regulate what goes on on the common elements. So... I'm a patriotic guy. I fly a, my flag for seven seven of the holidays that fly flags, and I put it on my front lawn every single flag day. And the homeowners association can't stop me from flying the flag, right? Correct. They could just say, "Don't put it here," or "Don't put in a 50 foot flagpole." Your flagpole has to be. 10 feet or something that effect, correct? Correct. Or uh, take a bracket and fly it off your house as opposed to installing a freestanding flagpole, things like that. Similarly, the Homeowners Association can't stop me from, from advertising my favorite political candidate. If I want political candidate Frank to be on the town council, I could put up that sign, right? You can. Uh, 71 days leading up to any election, you can display political signs, but they got to be gone three days after that election. And that right is provided for by statute. I mean, it's, it's guaranteed under Arizona law. Correct. Okay. Allison, thanks for coming in. You're very welcome. Thanks for having me. You're a wealth of knowledge on homeowners association law, and uh, I appreciate sharing that knowledge. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. Yeah. Pleasure to come back. Folks, thank you for listening. This has been the podcast, Is That Even Legal? A discussion of what's legal. Just as a reminder, this is not legal advice for you. This is general information. It's meant to be educational. If you have specific legal needs, don't be afraid to reach out to an attorney to get good legal advice. Attorneys are lovable. They're fun. They want to hear from you. See you next time.